All right, welcome to episode, this is 11, so 11 weeks now, Jenna, <laughs> we have with us uh, Genevieve Vanderlip um, with, oh, and I shouldn't have said, it's Hometown Appraisal, hometown appraisal. and uh, a local Flagstaff appraiser now for how many years going? Uh, 11. Oh, le- oh, there we go, it's the magic number for today. Started in, started in 2011, so. Awesome, awesome, and I, I, you know, as we're wrapping up this year, and and Jenna, you know, I, uh, I think I can say some things here as far as like no conflict of interest. Like we love working with Jenna, um, our team absolutely loves Jenna, and it's the the one thing I always tell real estate agents when we're working with an appraisal, and there's always there's always concern on value, even though this last year has been a rodeo, which we'll get into on that, uh, or the last, you know. Two years, three years. Um, but uh, when people say, okay, you know, can we get a good appraiser? And, and my response to that is, um, you know, the appraisers that we work, work with are good appraisers and not because the value comes in. It's because they can defend it and they can be professional about it um, is at least the direction we go. So we always feel like we can always get something that, that you've been thoughtful with and then professionally communicate about. Um, but not a lot of people know that it takes a lot to be an appraiser and that this isn't just someone shooting from the hip. So for the general public there, walk us through what is that kind of time frame requirement and everything from that standpoint. Yeah. So, well, so being 11 years in, I might not be the best person to ask as far as like what's happening right now. Sure. 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 At least what you had to go through, but it hasn't changed that much as far as I'm still aware. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is there's classes to take, um, where you kind of learn the fundamentals. And then the biggest thing is a almost two year, took me two year in mentorship under another appraiser, which is a really kind of a weird setup for any job where, you know, you're trying to find somebody to teach you how to do this job and they don't have a lot of motivation maybe to want to do that. So, um, because, you know, essentially the first thought is you're training your competition. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, you know, but... Luckily, there are people that train and there are people, you know, there's scenarios that fit. So for me, you know, I came in working under Reba Allen at Express Valuation and she, um, you know, kind of needed office assistant help. And so the trade-off was kind of like, you know, I can help with this clerical stuff while also kind of training. And so um, so I was lucky to kind of everything kind of had to align. And I've had people call and ask me, you know, if I would train or if I would um, be interested in doing that. And it, and it isn't so much about the competition of things. It's just, it's, uh, there's so much more (laughs) that kind of factors into that, but, um, it's, you know, so many different things in this world now, like I work at home. I I don't have like an environment maybe that other people have to be able to kind of bring somebody else in into my my, uh, office setup, you know? So it's not so much about like training the competition because there's a lot of people that, you know, their, their goal, maybe they are coming from Phoenix or maybe they're coming from somebody else, somewhere else. um, And they don't really have an intention to be in your same market. They just want to get the experience, you know? So there's, there's a lot of different things that can go with that, but that by far is the hardest thing to getting into appraising. Um, But the most important because, what you learn in the books and the classes versus the real life application of what lenders want is really different. So um, you really need that time to put in to, um, to see how it works. And, yeah. and uh, you know, and then even after getting licensed, uh, it took me another couple of years to be established with lenders. A lot of lenders have different rules, like they want you to have two or three years experience before you can even start appraising on their panel. So it, it's a long process, you know, there's, yeah, yeah. um, unlike maybe some other areas of the real estate industry where you can take your classes and you're kind of more independent and you can just, as long as you do what you need to do, you can start out, hang your license as a real estate agent and just kind of start doing it and learn by the process. Um, and, it, it, it's just a little harder than that. So yeah, it takes a little bit longer. So it's not, um, a lot of people are like, Oh, I, I maybe look into that part time or something. I'm like, I don't know how you would do it part time. It takes a lot. It takes a lot of yeah. effort. So, um, but yeah, it's basically, you know, a couple years of studying. And so, yeah, once you are a licensed appraiser, it wasn't something that just happened overnight. You yeah. were learning that process for years before you really are putting those reports together. So, which, 
Um, I mean, it makes sense on a lot of fronts um, in, in that there is such a big responsibility of just what you do. And then, you know, we have, it's very interesting in the process where you know, I just look at the lending process where we have, you know, I'm reviewing things. I have a team that's reviewing things. I'm a processor and an underwriter. And we have multiple people that's all double checking, rechecking, looking at things. And, and in your process, it's so critical of what you do because there's not like, there's an appraisal. Well, there are some appraisal review. I should let everyone know as far as like underwriters are running and looking through things and asking for additional for information. So it's just kind of lender to appraiser uh, relationship and check on things. Um, but just the sheer impact of the report you put together, what's required, what's not required, the value that comes in has major implications to the transaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there, is there ever like, uh, and so after all that, that, uh, you know, all that, um, training and mentorship and education, everything. Do you feel like once you were doing reports on your own, was there's still an intimidation factor on like, wow, you know, th- this is big. Oh, Does sure, that sure. Ever, has that gone away to some extent or is it with the moving markets? Is that always just still there? Oh man. I don't know. I, there's been so many times where I'm just like, Oh my God, I feel like it's my first day because you're oh, wow. just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Because like you said, you know, underwriters and, and reviewers are kind of like all of a sudden, you know, you're kind of doing the same thing. You're going along and then all of a sudden there'll be maybe like a, a certain thing that kind of pops up that's just like, uh, uh, you know, a privately maintained road. And all of a sudden, you know, you write the same thing all the time and you're researching it and you're reporting it a certain way. And then all of a sudden you just keep getting a rash of revision requests or reviewers saying, you know, talk more about this unmaintained road, you know, and you're just like, oh man, like, uh, or or somebody will just throw something at you where you're just like, yeah, like, do I, did I not explain that well enough? Did I not, you know, again, is it my first day? (laughs) Um, But I think that that's what I love about appraising is like every scenario, every report is different because it's a different house at a different time in the market with a, you know, different things going on. Uh, that are all factoring in. So it's like appraising is so strange because everybody always says like, oh, appraising should be objective. Like the comps are what they are. The value is what it is. You put this like mathematical equation together and it is what it is. But but it isn't because it's subjective in that how well do you know the market? How well do you know the comps? We take a neighborhood where you have 20 sales in a year. Where what of those is your comps? Which four? You know, so yeah. one appraiser might pick a different four than you picked for different reasons, and so there's. I think it's it's such a great job because you can. It just forces you to kind of stay fresh and stay new and yeah. stay oh, looking yeah. at what's happening and, um, and so with that, <laughs> some days you're like, oh, do I even know what I'm doing? Uh, and then that and that just is a little more. Um, evident with some of these things come up like solar you know solar is just like you know you always it's just changing and and you'll be in one market and you can't find any anything with solar and you'll be in another market and everybody has solar and so you know again you're just trying to uh stay in tune with what's happening but also that can kind of bring some uncertainty when you go into these areas that are not as conforming if you will yeah, well, and that's, I've always heard uh, and early on in my career here in, in lending and Flagstaff that appraisals in Northern Arizona are not a science, they're an art form. Mm-hmm. And, and there's so much to that uh, where, um, and there's just so many different things when I, you know, um, it's it's one of those things where a lot of times, I'd say the majority of times, appraisal goes out, appraisal comes in, it's workable value and we move on so not a lot of people understand all that went into it and i and i get kind of frustrated and uh, realtor friends i love you out there too but how many even realtor professionals don't understand the appraisal methodologies and even how to how to look at the report to see where jenna's head was at mm-hmm. right that's like step one don't just be like oh this value is terrible it's like no read the report understand the adjustments and and understand where this appraiser's head was at to see then if you agree, disagree, or need to have further conversation. Um, but where, where I want to go with that as well is even on the simple definition of market value, mm-hmm. right? That an appraiser's definition of market value versus a realtor's definition of market value are two different things. 
Yeah, maybe. I mean, we use Fannie Mae's definition of market value. So, which is let's see, the most yeah. probable price that a property should sell for, given all these things, people not being distressed, uh, not being under undue influence. Uh, you know, the the most probable price. So, you know, maybe in the last year, what we've seen is like an auction mentality. Like, yeah, you know, like. Because that's where I was going to go. Sorry, we'll dive into that. But I was going to say that's where I think most realtors' definitions of market right. value is what a buyer what anyone's is willing, willing to, pay to pay for it. Yeah, and what Fannie Mae specifically says is the most probable price for the market. So the market means more than one person; it's yeah. multiple people. Yeah. So what you can see a lot of times when in the past year would be, you know, oh, we had you know we had multiple offers and. Usually the highest offer is going to be your, you know, your contractor. But um, sometimes when you would take that other additional information of where were all the other offers and like it got to a point, you know, at the height of the market where you could graph that and it would be, you know, like plots on a graph where it was just like, well, here's where everybody else kind of is and that's the market. And then here's this one person that's kind of an outlier. And so that's why, you know, we have multiple comps within a report because, you have multiple things about a property that need to be kind of included in the value, but it also just kind of shows you like, well, you know, if you're basing the value off of one property, then why do you need any other comps? Because, you know, so it's no, kind of exactly. like this pool. And so, you know, not only do they not want just one outlying, you know, what, what somebody's willing to pay for it, they want that to be proven by showing multiple people did this multiple times with multiple properties and therefore you know this opinion of value and it, it's an opinion of market value meaning based on all this information that i have based on all these things that sold all this data here's what i think that a supported price for this property is a supported value um and you know it's just really hard to do off of one sale or one thing and it's hard to do off of one buyer you know in one situation so absolutely well, and it, it even as you're saying that, and it's uh, it seems very logical, right? But what's so f- interesting to me is just when emotion right. gets involved, right? Because you're, you're um, as as far as I can see, appraisal is just trying to be stone cold logic, right? We're not wanting to get emotionally involved in that, sure. you know that. Uh, that they love this tile that's in the house or, or personal taste or emotional connection or the pride in their house to where, you know, a lot of times when we see, um, you know, communicating with, and I know we all, you know, people get tied up and they want to, realtors want to represent their buyer or seller to the best of their ability. And sometimes they look at that or even any friends of mine that talk, it's like, Oh, someone sold for this. And that's could be an outlier, but that justifies theirs, right? Or they emotionally get connected to, and my house is even better. And so there's so much emotion in that value piece that you just have to strip out, and it can be mm-hmm. quite difficult. Well, and I think a well-supported appraisal usually should have those elements, you know, it's better, mine's the best, there's never been a house like this. <laughs> and the, it's the job of the appraiser to say, well... No, here, here, sure, here's all these houses that are, you know, inferior or not as good, use the word good, but, um, and, and the way that an appraiser can say where, you know, figure out where the value kind of lies is by always having something on both sides. So you have to have something better and you have to have something not as good. And, you know, so we, I use the term superior and inferior because, you know, it's like good or bad or, you know, but, but the way that you can prove, you know, so for example, if a house goes under contract and it's $500,000 and, you know, everybody's thinking it's worth that and, you know, you're kind of working through it and you're like, but you know, it doesn't have this, doesn't have that, it's not as big, it's not in this location. The way that you kind of show that value is, well, here's a house that sold for five fifty and it has all these things going for it and here's a house that sold for four fifty. And, you know, it's not that far off from where you're 500, you know, so then it's just yeah. kind of like, that's how the comps kind of show you, you know, like, you know, it isn't just, 
my house is the best house. You know, you always kind of have to have that thing on the other end that says, well, here's where the really, (laughs) you know, where the really good house is. And then you kind of fall somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Um, And so uh, that's kind of the biggest difference between what an appraiser is doing and maybe like an automated valuation. Because automated valuations are going to take just purely like mathematical data yep. and boil that down into here's what your house is worth. But it's based on so many different things that are just, you know, the size, the bedroom, bathroom count, um, the zip code it's in. And that's how they come, you know, justify location. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> you know, exactly. but an appraiser like, okay, well, you know, we're in 86005. That's not, that's not all apples to apples, you yeah. know. So, so that's kind of where... Uh, you know, a well-supported appraiser is always going to use things on both sides. And that's where you're going to be able to kind of prove that opinion value, not just, you know, pull it from something. And it's not just your opinion. It's, it is a methodology because the biggest thing about, you know, there's, there's tons of factors that kind of go into the methodology of appraising, but it basically is reasonable replacements and the principle of substitution. So, you know, a lender wants to see, or an underwriter wants to see, well, if you're going to buy this house, why wouldn't you go buy this other house that's basically equal that's less? Yeah. You know? And so, and that's where the appraiser comes and goes, well, they're not equal. It's because this one has this location or it has these other factors. And here's some comps that kind of show both sides. And and so that's the biggest thing for, for anybody that's looking at an appraisal is hopefully the appraiser can communicate that the comps... The combination of the comps in the report are painting a picture of here's what you can get for less, here's what you can get for more, this is what those ones for less didn't have, this is what the ones for more did have, and we're meeting somewhere kind of in the middle. Yeah, yeah. No, there's so many ideas firing right now that there's just so much to unpack here because you made a great comment about automated valuations, right? And and I think that blends itself in just knowing that um, sure, like anything, free information can be helpful as long as you recognize its its shortcomings, mm-hmm. and uh, and so when it comes then to to the market right now, um, there's a lot of things like instantly firing off into so many conversations I had. And how how does this work and accommodate right? Because we know that you know lenders want an appraisal because we want to know um, our our loan to value position. We want to know that there's some skin in the game so that there's some mutual, everything's a risk assessment, right? Um, So, of course, you know this, but just the general public and kind of knowing that, hey, appraisals are very, very important um, to us. And then when we look in these shifting markets, there's a lot of different factors that make your job and a buyer's position uh, and seller's position quite strained and difficult. In a perfect world, I just see like, little movement in rates, right? Mm-hmm. You know, not, not big shifts or massive, like, hey, the same rate you got quoted six months ago is pretty similar to today. And that's not the case. And I think that that's, you know, I probably would, is that a safe assumption? Like you'd like to see a hey, little changes in value, like little ups, uh, you know, yeah, versus yeah. we've seen these pretty, we're seeing some bigger swings here. Yeah. I mean, it's just really hard because like we were talking about the emotional side of everything, you know, in the peak when people were, you know, they've missed out on three houses and, this is where all the other offers were and, you know, and, and there is that factor of, you know, that the property should be worth what somebody's willing to pay. What buyer, you know, buyer and seller have agreed upon, you're willing to sell for this, you're willing to buy for this. But then again, the lend, the lender just, they don't want just that because the contract shows that, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. like, so, so they want the proof in there that like, again, other people are kind of having the same mentality. So when these big shifts happen, like we're seeing right now, you know, the comps, there's comps for days that support the value. But then how then does an appraiser go, okay, well, here's all these comps. They all sold much higher. And now here we are. And this contract (laughs) is much lower. So now we're in this stage of like, oh my gosh, the comps are kind of supporting a higher value. But then we have this contract that's not, that shows that negotiations that, you know, people aren't willing to pay as much. People aren't able to sell as high. Yeah, you know, sitting for a while. And so we're going and, yeah. this opposite direction where the comps are still supportive of maybe a higher value. But you can't ignore the fact that the houses are sitting longer. They're not going for full price, you know, full list price. They're 
getting negotiated down. There's bigger concessions. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, and so as an appraiser, you know, you're always kind of looking at those are the things that are happening in the market that have to you have to kind of factor in and look at and try to figure out what to do with that information, yeah. you know. How can you factor that in, though? And I know, you know, to, to, to help people understand that, um, in a, and I should you more explain these things, but but going from the logical standpoint, that when you say comps and comparable sales um, to support, hey, what is the value doing? And it's it's you know relatively easy, I should say, if if values are stable, to be able to look what sold in the last three months in similar neighborhood and bracket right to the lower and higher. Am I using that word right? Bracket the comp, uh, mm-hmm. the, the subject property, um, but when we see that yeah, that's easy, right? And and you you can pull up the comps that have sold recently, relatively recently. I get this will be interesting as we go on through the year how recently some of these sales will be. But how then mathematically can you that that puts a lot of weight on you to try and say like oh based on is there some type of standardization on the equation on saying how long did the property sit, how many offers are in? Because you were trying to do that the other uh, the other direction right, right? and right. saying okay the last house sold for fifty thousand dollars less but that was a month ago and now they got 10 offers mm-hmm. right how, how do you do that so the big so the best way or i would say you know how i feel is the best way to kind of look at the scenario is always using the most recent comps because that's what's happening in more recent time than what happened even Absolutely. two and three months ago yeah, yeah so you look at your most recent sales um you look at mathematical statistics of what's happening in the neighborhood. So, you know, there was a time where I was looking year over year, this year versus last year, increase, increase, increase. And we were having seen these huge increases, 20% in a neighborhood, you know, so yeah. year over year. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I have to kind of change the data I'm looking at to maybe not go year over year. We're going six months to six months. Mm-hmm. And that's where you're seeing stabilization because still year over year probably showing a bit of an increase but once you get into these shorter time frames of what's happening right now so again most recent comps most recent months um then you're really starting to kind of see like oh things i have stabilized i i wouldn't be as far i wouldn't go as far as to say that i've seen a real decline yet okay. um but when you do start seeing that then you know, you're looking at basically, you know, it's basically called a time adjustment. So, yeah. you know, what happened three months ago, six months ago, we're seeing this rate of decline, and then you apply you, you apply a mathematical adjustment basically to say, you know, this house that sold six months ago wouldn't have sold for that now. So I'm going to do a rate of decline, and you basically pl- apply an adjustment for time. Yeah. And so it works in the opposite when things are going up. You know, if you're using a comp that's six months old, maybe you're using it because it has very specific things that bracket. Yep. You know, it has the same location or it's the same size. or, um, And so if that sold six months ago and we've increased, yeah, 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 you're taking this rate of increase that you can prove. And I think right now the hardest thing is we all kind of can feel this shift in the market, but mathematically it's a little hard still to, to apply a number. You know, so that's yeah. where you're looking at the most recent sales. And then the other thing that appraisers do is when you are coming up with that final opinion of value, you have, you know, four or five comps in a report, you've adjusted them all out and you have these adjusted sale prices. Then you're coming up with that opinion of value that should fall in between those prices. Um, so that's kind of your range. And then you are giving it a weighted value. Yeah. So Again, as an appraiser, looking at all these things, like how long have the houses sat on the market, like what's kind of happening with these statistics, then you can kind of, you know, the methodology for me is to give the most weight to the properties and the comps that I feel best reflect what's happening now. So then you can kind of say, well, whether that was because it was the most recent sale, because it's the most similar property, or maybe I use a combination of that and I say, well, I'm going to give most weight to these two because this one's super recent, this one's the most similar house, and then that's where I kind of come up with my final opinion of value. Um, so it really is kind of just making sure that you're attuned to, you know, well, 
this house is the most similar, so I'm going to go give most weight to that because that's what I always do. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's it's trying not to get stuck in that. This is what I always do. Like, yeah, yeah. Maybe there was a time where it was, you know, the most similar house. Now it's the most recent activity, and yeah. that's where you're going to shift kind of your your thinking and and make your opinion of value kind of fall more in line with that. And, and with that, um, the the just the mechanics of it is it something where you'd say on the way up with rapidly increasing values, and this is just where my mind is going, so let me know how you feel about it, is that when, when, when we're going up, uh, there's a, a, you know, a, a sense of appraisal lag to some extent, right? Of de- if the market's going rapid and appraisers are doing their best to adjust for it, but just like we saw in the last two years, uh, a lot of people paying above appraisal because the appraiser couldn't justify that. But at the same time, there was number two per contract in place ready to take that house from you. Mm-hmm. And we did see, when you talk about the outliers, like we did see, you know, that's that's the not indicative of of overall market value. And we did see some people just say, hey, I'm done. I'm fine spending over, technically overpaying if that's what exactly what it is for this house just because I want to be done searching. And I'm okay knowing that I could be potentially you know, underwater instantly on this house. Um, and, and that doesn't mean that that's really the overall prevalent market value of the house. So there's the, on the way up, there's this lag on the way down, uh, which, which I, I would say, sorry, to, to, in my eyes as the lender, then that, that kind of is more, more conservative and protective, mm-hmm. right. Of saying, Hey, you're going to have to overpay for this house. The appraiser is going to come out with the more conservative value, but on this, and, and we don't know, and, and so we should be careful there. We don't know where this is going. And I think it's very, like, the point you make on year over year versus month over month, people need to understand that very, very closely. Not a lot of people buy a house one month and sell it a couple months later. That's not very smart to do on a house, a stock, anything, right? Um, but, but knowing that, okay, so m- month to month we're seeing things slowing, right? Is that going to lead to overall more significant like year over year decline? Like who knows? We're just going to have to fill that out. And it's, you know, where there's a seasonality to it right now that we just haven't experienced just with 2% rates that usually Flagstaff slows down. People enjoy the holidays and, and this, you know, they don't love looking at homes under snow, right? Um, but I guess what do you, do you think that we'll see, um, I guess, what, what are the, the, as to a buyer in this market, let's talk more about the buyer. What are the things that they should kind of know on that appraisal right now is saying, hey, that might not really that might be more optimistic. Is that is that a, a potential risk right now? Is that the appraisers could be more optimistic than they could negotiate on the house? I mean, I think that we are seeing more, um, a, a little bit of a better scenario for buyers oh, because I think yeah. that the sellers that are in the market right now are kind of doing what everybody's doing, which is maybe being a little slow to get on what's <laughs> the train of what's happening <laughs> yeah. where this is going. Um, and so you're seeing a lot of price reductions and you're seeing a lot of people that, um, again, we talk about the market value being un- undue stimulus, you know, not being under that. And there's a lot of people that are in a lot of situations where they've already moved out of a house and they're making more, you know, extra payments that they don't want to do. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So they're willing to drop the price or they're willing to negotiate or they're willing to do these things. And so, um, you know, but that's kind of interesting because that's happening all the time, you know, yeah. but I feel like where, where we're coming off of, you know, just this feeding frenzy and overbidding and, and, and things like that, it's, it, it's drastically shifted and it's in a position now where you're kind of almost seeing like so quickly the pendulum swing back to where now all these sellers are kind of like, Oh man, you know, I, I, I need to get this house sold. And so, yeah, you're seeing these buyers that are able to, you know, kind of negotiate and uh, take their time and actually maybe even care about an appraisal again (laughs) um, and making sure that it's going to appraise. And again, that's, we're not really seeing that, that, that's hard to do, you know, I mean, cause those, cause to, again, talk about the lag time, um, it, it, it is, it's, it's slower activity and it's not as many comps that are more recent to choose from. And so, you know, the value part, I think, you know, I, people are probably pretty good right now in yeah, terms yeah. of if they're concerned about the value. Yeah. I think that, um, 
you know, probably an underlying thought that's going on for people right now is like, if we're starting this decline, like how far down is it going to go? Yeah. You know? And so that could be like, you know, kind of hesitant for people too, because the seller is motivated by that. But also I think the buyers are kind of interested to see like, well, I wait a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. But Flagstaff's, you know, Flagstaff's strange because you, you still at any given time don't have a lot of inventory. Um, and so I think, you know, that's a factor always. And so, uh, you still don't see things sit for a terribly long time. Um, you know, just, but you, but you can, you can see these trends, you can see, you know, as soon as interest rates or perceived interest rates, you know, right. Because, you know, the Fed, when they say, when they say, oh, the Fed raised the rates, it's like, well, how does that translate to, to, you know, what the rates are for houses, you know, and you're way better equipped to explain that to people but you know when you hear the news or you 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 have these conversations that are happening and how that does then you do see like a pump of the brakes and you see people kind of pause and um but then you know it's happening on both sides so again you're seeing the sellers and I've had to make a few calls in the last couple months where I'm like this just doesn't seem right you know was there was there is there something I'm missing? Is there is there a factor for this seller that you know they're willing to take this price because obviously the comps are just you know they're not they're not there, and every single time yes they're they've moved they have they can't afford this house anymore with another mortgage payment they are getting a divorce they can't you know I mean there's there's so they need this house sold so they can buy their house you know so those factors are always happening in our market and now I think that it's just it's definitely a benefit to the buyer. We're back into like a buyer having that, having kind of the upper hand. So, yeah. And I think that that becomes those two factors, right? That uh, it just blows my mind how separate they can be. Right. In the sense of when you're saying the two factors of market value that we're defining here in that, uh, what someone technically could sell a house for with prevailing, multiple people you know i love the multiple you know multiple people interested based on multiple houses and you know really stacking and layering that data up but then knowing that on a case-by-case basis and that's where i think i'm kind of excited for the professionals to get back in the room here in the sense of i think a lot of things were just so fast and loose even even you know it just you know, solid solid you know, decade-long professionals here in Flagstaff were struggling trying to deal with real estate professionals, just how to advise and how to accommodate and how to, you know, manage the risk and have best outcomes. And so I just think it's very exciting to me on the on as things slow down. I think that's the biggest time factor that everything is going to be case by case. And, and what someone was willing to take an offer on is really right now, just with the slower market, is – more so, not so much based on what they could, based on where that person's at and what they need. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting with appraisal too, because you know appraisals are historical; they're based on what's already happened. Yeah. So when you were looking at some of those things of like, where do you factor in all these bids? Where do you factor in that you know all these things are happening in kind of real time, and they've lost out, and you know, and so it's kind of interesting then because appraisers are looking a lot at like listings, like okay, pending yeah. sales. Um, and those don't get factored into the opinion value because they're still theoretical. Like anything could happen. They could fall out. So you can't, you can't put a lot of weight into those and you can't include them in your opinion of value. But they're a great tool to kind of look at what's actually happening right now. And one of those things that, you know, that was like really helping things when the market was increasing because more things were coming up. And everything was higher because, you know, they're seeing what's happening and what's selling and what's sure, pending. Sure. And so they're going above and beyond that. And then, you know, again, it kind of works conversely when you when you see the market right now kind of slowing down. But still those listings because, um, you know, those are your those are your competition. You know, that's yeah, what yeah. you're you're up against. Yeah. And so when different sellers in the market have different motivations and their agent comes into them and says, okay, well, I feel like agents are really well-versed in listings. A lot of times when I go to appraise a house and an agent says, oh, I, you know, I give you some comps. Yeah. Like, Great. Cause I'll look at what, you know, you guys are working with, with the public, you're working yeah, yeah. with the market. 
you're working with the buyers and sellers. So giving me that information as to what you think a comp is, is great to know. And they're always listings. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, Keep not completely. Big asterisk for yeah. agents listening to this. <laughs> but but to again, because, you know, a comp, we, we yeah. wouldn't call those comps. We Those are, you know, again, they're still theoretical. But, again, still valuable information because it's like, oh, I can see that you're looking at what is competing with this house. And sure. so – that really is good information. And so I think what we're seeing now is the listings that are coming up on the market are kind of driving people's price reductions because you might be the first one out and you've been on the market 20 days and you haven't moved. And then someone else comes in with another house and it's lower. And all of a sudden, you know, you see that one go pending right away. And that kind of maybe says, eh, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like I had this, per, you know, not a personal scenario, but, a, you know, in my neighborhood, I saw, yeah. you know, a house sell, and, um, you know, went a little bit above asking. And then three weeks later, another house goes on the market and it's a little bit lower. And I'm like, huh, that's weird. Like, you're not even going to try for the same or, you know, they're very yeah, yeah. identical houses. Um, and it was just like, oh, okay, okay. But, you know, maybe motivated, you know, like, yeah. So sure. moving van out front, they've already moved out. They don't want to go. They want to go slightly under what, you know, what the comps are at so that they can move it. And, in that time frame, though, here comes a couple more listings on the market, and they're even lower. <laughs> and you know, yeah, and, and again, yeah. what are those sellers' motivations? And so, so it's really kind of interesting with listings and pending sales because they kind of help drive the market. They kind of help, you know, they kind of paint that picture of like what's happening in real time versus comps, you know, and things that have yeah. already sold. So, so maybe you know, again, kind of going back to where like. Sure, maybe the comps support the value all day long, but then these listings are kind of coming in and they're showing you kind of where things are going. And so I think if buyers in the market are more attuned to, you know, what else is available? What's available yeah, to yeah, you yeah. right now or what's available to you in a couple of weeks? And that's that's the thing with the real estate market. The like appraisers have to learn this whole uh, method of exposure time, which is the reasonable amount of time that a house should be on the market to have enough potential buyers kind of filter through sure. and be able to consider it and then make their decision. And we say, you know, in Flagstaff, I don't know if that's ever been higher than four months, you know? Oh, wow, yeah. Um, but in the mind of, like, the general public, it should be two weeks. <laughs> like, if your well, house goes on the market and it, you don't have a full offer in two weeks, like, what's wrong with it, you know? And and so it's kind of interesting because you don't really see that patience, like, playing out. And, it, and they didn't have the opportunity to do that. You know, buyers didn't have the opportunity to, let me think about that one for a couple of weeks, you know? Like, yeah. everything's immediate. And so I think right now what we're kind of seeing is if you kind of take that time to, you know, see what's coming up in the market in – 20 days yeah, a month, yeah. a month, you know, um, you'll see that, you know, everything's kind of shifting and it's shifting in that kind of downward direction because of whatever's motivating people. Yeah. And that's, it's, I mean, it's fascinating the aspect of time and then what, and that perception of normal or normalcy or normal. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, uh, and just knowing that, yeah, when you said I was, I was, it was your leading up to that. I was like, what is she going to say? What's the number? Like four months. And you're like, oh my gosh. Like yeah. when was the last time that someone wanted their house listed for four months? Right. And uh, a great, great buddy of mine. Um, and he, uh, he's a developer, right? And, and so he's, he knows this game and he built a house here in Flagstaff and then his family decided they need to make some shifts and some moves. And he had it with two different agents and he was wanting to get it moved pretty quick and had it with two different agents and finally got it sold. And I think it was on the market probably pretty close to like three, maybe just over three months. And this was just before 2020. Yeah. <laughs> and so not only, not only do you have to laugh in a couple of ways of like, Oh, you know, and his wife just gives the hardest time that like, Oh, had we just held on yeah. to that property for six to eight months could have been a couple extra hundred thousand right. dollars. In the right. Bank. Yeah. So not even people that tuned to market, but just in that exposure time that, you know, after two months, did he, you know, start to get impatient? Right. And so when you said four months and then in, in many situations that 24 to 48 hours was all it took to have an offer in hand and, and negotiated, and so just knowing, and, and yeah, I think culturally, 
so many different things in our lives and technology do lend themselves to instant gratification. And then all of a sudden for but probably is, you know, hopefully a limited period of time, people got that in the housing market that, yeah, you could buy and sell and do all this so quickly that that's um, that factor of time. I, I think I'm fascinated um, to see how that shifts value because if people get impatient and then they lower their values and then that becomes a new norm. So just because of the emotional response to time mm-hmm. could be very interesting. And we're all kind of like sheep. So we can follow like yeah no and everyone yeah person did but it's also like if you look at that if you look at that reasonable exposure time the higher the price of the house the higher the value of the house yeah the longer the exposure time sure because there's not as many people in that market you know so and so but also a more interesting market where you see more patience and you see that it isn't unreasonable to think that if you have you know these properties that are millions of dollars that they're going to take longer to be exposed to the buyers in that market and then they go for cash. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So it's like, and, it, and it's like, and so my, my point to saying, you know, and then they go for cash is like, and then someone goes, yep, that's the house and I have the money sure. and I'm going to pay it. And here you go. And so then it's like, and so you see that play out in kind of these different markets where you would kind of think that, um, and and that's a and and it's more accepted. It's just like a more reasonable way to think. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with the house by any yeah. means. It's no. a you know two million dollar well, house. So so there's nothing. It, it they just don't get as stigmatized. You know that that because people kind of just expect it. Like well, of course that house didn't sell overnight. It's two million dollars, um, and so you know, we don't apply that to the same, we don't, you know, the same methodology because it is a more competitive market. So of course you do have to be more, you know, you might have to move a little quicker. So maybe you don't have four months, but again, in Flagstaff, you know, but I am starting to see that now where I'm like, you know, six months ago, one to two months, that was our exposure time. Like, and and it was really even a month, you know, like you could have a transaction done in the month, but those times are getting a little bit longer and a little bit longer sure. and a little bit longer, but the patience of people is getting a little shorter and a little shorter. Yeah. And so they never seem to quite line up. No, no. And I, I think it's so valuable and just exactly what you're saying for people to be able to understand the numbers. Right. And, and it's, it's really unfortunate that I think the, the, the media can be very disingenuous with, you know, they're, they're, clickbait mm-hmm. out there and things. And uh, I mean, even in a statistic I saw from a friend of mine that said, oh, you know, the median home price has come down by like 16%. And, and so, but that to me says exactly what you were saying is that million dollar home is not selling anymore. And those were skewing mm-hmm. that, uh, that median or average all day long. Right. And, and to say, okay, now they're more patient and that's not selling. So actually what's selling is the median home price is 16% lower. That does not mean that we have a 16% reduction in price. Right. Yet some people might correlate that in their minds, not understanding how the mathematical function of an average or median. Right. 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 Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think it's interesting too, though, because the, it's uh, – I, 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 yeah, I, I just going back to what you were saying about like the, the news. And I mean, like I had a, a long time ago, like quit all my news that's catered to me, you know, that comes, yeah. comes in because yeah. they're, they're reading all my appraisal emails and they're like, wow, this girl's really interested in the housing market. And so I get all the emails, you know, and, it's oh, like, and yeah, if I, I read every mean. one of those, it's like, I wouldn't have a job. Like, you know, they doomed my job a long time ago and my relevance and um, <laughs> And so I had to quit reading them. Yeah, because Uh, I'm just like, okay, this is going to, it's kind of like the misery doesn't love company. Like as the market slows down, you know, I don't need like 14 news articles telling me that the market's slowing down. Um, (laughs) But yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the average and median, you know, kind of what you're saying, that's always been an appraiser. Like it's so hard. It's so hard for people to, um, you know, because Okay, we're going back to like, well, is your house the average house? Like, so are you fine settling with that average value or the median value? Because, um, you know, so, so many times, you know, anybody's house doesn't fit within that parameter. You know, they're either the above average house or they're the below average house. And so, yeah, it is kind of interesting. But I, uh, I, I don't know. I think that, you know, 
unfortunately, the way that the housing market has gone, and 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 I, I like if my job when I'm in people's houses and I'm talking to them and they're like, what could increase my value? You know, like, what should I do to, to, to increase the value of my home? Should it be the kitchen? Should it be the, you know, and it's like, it always kind of comes back to, well, you have to do what you want to do for you. Like, this is your, this is your house and it's your, maybe your biggest asset, but it's your home, you know, and like, what are you going to do with it? And what do you want to do with it? And so I kind of just bring that point up to, because we're talking about the patience in the market. What, you know, how many people in the market say, you know, maybe it's time for us to move and we'll just sit here for a few months and let, you know, let people come into our house every day and, and do showings for <laughs> yeah. three months. Oh, and, yeah. and that sounds like a totally reasonable time frame, three months of showings, you know, but, um, and so it's, it's not a big mystery as to why we have a lack of patience for no. the process of, you know, buying and selling houses because it's just, um, you know, it's, it's, it is emotional. It's always emotional and there's so many factors. And so I think like maybe part of the flaw of that, you know, reasonable exposure time is, you know, just looking more at like, you know, the numbers of things and less at the fact that there's people tied to these scenarios, you know, and like not everybody has, um, you know, kind of going back to that, you know, maybe second home million dollar home, market where you're not using that house maybe half the year or something so you you can let it sit on the market for six months and and see what happens but for the reality like not a lot of people have that opportunity to do that and so i think that leads to some of the impatience and uh ness in the in the market yeah yeah well and i guess if you um well to speak towards that relevance piece so you just said touch on that and i was going to ask on that as well um I'm, I have my own, uh, you know, I get put in the same category or lending gets put in the same category all the time. I think there was an Oxford study like 10 years ago that had a list of like all like a thousand professions and said who is most likely to be automated, like from one being least likely to a thousand being most likely. And like real estate profession, like realtor, loan officer, they were like in the 900s or something, just oh like God. very <laughs> extremely likely to be replaced by automation and everything. And yeah, sure. You know, like, come on, you know, take my job computer and like, right. you know, I'm like, great, you know, the future will be here eventually. But I have my own opinions on why that hasn't happened to my particular profession. So I'm curious to see uh, what you see as the future of appraising and and how technology is going to change that for you. Well, I think that it's definitely um, concerning that the amount of shift and things that you see happening with what they'll allow, um, you know, for Fannie Mae appraisal waivers, you know, so right there, you know, they look at automated value. They look at, um, you know, different factors of the borrower. Yep, risk factors. And then, uh, yeah, again, all about risk. And then they make this decision whether or not you even need an appraisal. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we've seen a ton of that. Um, And so a lot of my business has gone from, from the fact that people don't need, you know, quote, need an appraisal. Sure. Um, and so that's interesting, you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. so you're always like, okay, well, we'll see how that comes back around, you know, when, when that didn't work out so well, or, you know, if it will. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of like, you know, it's, we're definitely seeing that move in the market where, you know, a lot of people don't even need an appraisal. What I find really interesting um, is, where the bulk of my business has gone since the slowdown, since August, is FHA and Jumbo. And so two really far ends of the yeah, spectrum. Yeah, um, it's interesting. FHA, thank you, FHA, does not allow for appraisal waivers. So, you know, there, and and so when you think about FHA, and again, you're better versed to educate people on what FHA brings to the table, but, you know, um, they're, they're still, you know, wanting that, wanting that appraisal, wanting that information in their file and assessing that risk. And FHA is also very big on, you know, making sure properties conform. And I think that that's kind of why appraisers are still out there is because we are the eyes and ears for the bank. So we can walk in a house and say, you don't have a stair railing. You're going to, you know, this is a health and safety issue. Um, You know, which kind of puts the occupants at risk and then the fallout from there, you know, if something were to happen. Um, 
the the zoning issues, the legality issues, people putting illegal guest quarters on their property and and then wanting to get a loan on it, you know, and yeah. and uh, and having that kind of the again, we're all assessing risk and the lender, the appraiser checking that box that says no, this property does not conform to the zoning. You could not rebuild it if destroyed. That's been an interesting factor in our market lately. Absolutely. The fact yeah. that we're seeing real life properties being destroyed that need to be rebuilt and you know, maybe had mortgages on them, had homeowner insurance on yeah. them that are all looking at to the appraiser to be like, did you appraise this right? Did you, yeah, yeah. did you call out the zoning correctly? Um, so there's all these factors that, you know, you kind of, um, you can kind of see when those scenarios come up where you're at a property that doesn't, has an illegal issue or has a health and safety issue. Um, and so I think that luckily, you know, there's been a lot of ways um, in this last year, it's been crazy to see the technology that's come out where they want to, and all in a, you know, the motivation is to, to get the appraisals done faster. So instead of having the appraiser go out to the house, they want you to like zoom with the homeowner and have them be on their phone and you basically FaceTime them and they show you around their house and you make your assessment. Really? Um, yeah, and, and a lot of these desktop is that more products. and that's more of a, a speed focus versus is also motivated by the pandemic factors I somewhat think maybe that that's maybe what tipped the tipped it off and people yeah. kind of got this idea yeah. of um, you know how do we keep the appraiser out of the out of the house? What also has been a huge driving factor is um, discrimination discrimination cases where if you actually remove yeah. the appraiser from the house. They never went there. They don't know who the occupants are. That you can limit, you know, kind of this unfair bias and um, discrimin- you know discrimination practices yeah. that are happening. Now, we could do a whole another podcast on, <laughs> yeah. on that part yeah. of what's happening in appraising with with fair housing and and discrimination. But um, so I think that a lot of it, yeah, they're trying to get to these technologies. They're they're trying to you know, kind of shortcut the appraisal process by getting things faster because, you know, any, again, anytime the human is involved and we have to schedule and you can only do so many appraisals a day and you can't get them out fast enough and there's not enough appraisers and, um, you know, except for no one's going to tell you that right now, you know? So it's kind of like, it's all, it's all like, we don't, we get to get the bear, the brunt of like, you know, the appraisal process. Like if, if we went away, it would make everything so much more streamlined, you know, but there is this reason that we're there and a lot of it, I think, kind of falls to being a, able to actually see these properties. And some of the things that they've put in place with the technology, I think, are maybe are going to go in a direction that could make it better. But I don't know better for who, you know, like, yeah. I don't want to say to a homeowner, like, so could you just point your camera up there? So I see some mold. And is that <laughs> what you have going? You know, like, there's no... I mean, there's a real human element to the fact that when you're in a house, you're observing things, you're seeing things, and, and you know, those are factoring in to, you know, and some of them are really important. Some of them are just you taking stock of the property. And so do you need to be in a house to be able to get a full, clear picture of that house? Maybe not. Um, that's probably property specific. If I'm doing, yeah. you know, a three-year-old condo, do I need to, you know, make sure that I'm going in there, make sure there's no issues? But you know, we don't live in that world. <laughs> we, yeah. we, we're really unconforming market. So some of these technology things that you're seeing kind of, kind of drive like replacing appraisers. Um, another big thing that happened this year was like having, um, other, other individuals. I don't know, like, um, like property inspectors, let's say they would call them mm-hmm. where they would actually go out and do the physical inspection of the property. So maybe they measure it. They would, take photos, they would um, sketch the house out. Uh, Fannie Mae has a rule that if you're going to do a desktop appraisal, you still have to have a sketch of the house. So they're having this third party go out and do essentially what the appraiser was doing and then giving that information to the appraiser. But there's been a huge pushback from the appraisal industry because why not just have me go out? Like, What time are we saving to have this third party come out and they do it um, you know, but maybe that person's not tied up with actual appraising, so they're able to go do four inspections a day of a house, you know, and send that in, and yeah, send yeah, that yeah, data yeah, over. Yeah, yeah. So then again, the liability comes to the appraiser where I'm the one that's taking this information, basing my 
opinion of value that I'm then liable for on this third party's data. So you've seen a huge pushback. Like people are not comfortable with that. Yeah. The time saving thing is kind of questionable. And, um, and so we'll kind of see where that goes. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, cause again, it's like, I've even like heard it. I've, you know, um, in our industry too, of like copywriting sketches, you know, like you can't, yeah. you can't take a sketch from the builder and use that in your report. And so there, there's all these like interesting factors that are things that we don't even know about that are going to come up, I think, to say whether or not we could really be doing this. But um, so it, so again, technology, I think they haven't quite figured out how to replace a, a person being in the house, seeing the house, seeing the condition that it's in, seeing health and safety issues which then, you know, are a small part of assessing that risk because they don't want to lend on houses that aren't safe, aren't secure, have, de- you know, deferred maintenance. Um, so I think that, you know, that factor is kind of keeping us relevant. Yeah, no, <laughs> for sure. And I think that it's, it's, it's very, very fascinating to me. And, you know, and, and, and I love the hindsight 2020 when we look back at certain things. And here we are as an industry trying to solve all these different problems that, you know, if it's in um, this whole like, you know, the, the Arizona Association of Realtors draft this whole additional clause addendum based on the market conditions that existed for about 24 months. Yeah. And that no one's using that addendum right now. The shortfall right? with the appraiser. For yeah. So it had like shortfall okay. and escalation clauses. Mm-hmm. So for, for, for those that weren't familiar with it and just, you know, how we can basically turn turn some of the process into a bit of an auction house and like different things uh, that waived a lot of buyers rights that traditionally would be very, very ill-advised. Um, or I think most real estate agents with their licensure would say right. that those are ill-advised. Um, and so here we are then with, and so I think it's very interesting about the appraisal industry or other factors of the real estate industry in general, where we're trying to solve some things in a vacuum, but don't understand that there is, and, and, and you know, just call me trying to defend my job here, but, you know, that there is some valid way of why we've set this up a certain way and why it just works this way and it, it reminds me of when, when you were talking about like having someone show you like are they going to really be fully disclosed and like let's show right. you the smaller piece of the mold or, right. or, or you know uh water damage on the ceiling kind of thing whereas right. you know when you go and do that little google security check and you're having to click like which are the yeah. images of like <laughs> how long is it going to take google to, right. to recognize and know those things that that you as a human trained with the thousands it's thousands of hours right once you get through mentorship and education everything to be able to then do that and defend and protect the the value for the clients and for the lender right i don't know i'm gonna get it interesting to me that the that the people were or the the areas of the lending business that still plays a relevance on that are fha and jumbo because jumbo not so much maybe for being out of the house and seeing you know health and safety things like that but jumbo being actual you know not these not these kind of like wide range automated things you know like they don't want an automated value once the loan amount gets to a certain amount where they feel is a little more risky yeah not only do they require an appraisal sometimes they require two yeah you know and and oftentimes appraisal reviews like 80 percent of the jumbo appraisals where you're seeing appraisal reviews so a second opinion coming right and so it's really kind of interesting that these areas of the market that, you know, kind of the to the two different extremes are the ones that are still kind of placing an importance on that and yeah. placing relevance on it. And so I think that that's kind of telling that, you know, of like maybe, I don't know, like where we're going, but sure. it'll be kind of interesting to see, um, yeah, where that kind of goes with, with these appraisal waivers. And, and again, it's all like hindsight, you know, like, when the housing market in, you know, 08, 09 happened, like, uh, you know, they kind of, yeah, again, created more forms and they wanted more data and they want more statistics because they want, you know, like as much information as they can to go into that appraisal. Um, And so I think it'll be kind of interesting to see kind of what happens because the appraisal waiver has been in place for a long time, you know, but we've always been kind of on this upward swing. And so, um, We'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, and that. I think it's important for people to know when we when we were getting those um, that it was fairly common on a high equity rate term, so not cash out rate term refinance. We saw a lot of those, um, and, uh, and maybe makes some sense, 
right? Because I love that VA, right? When you talk about government and stuff, and VA allows for no appraisal rate term refinance, which I kind of appreciate that logic in the sense of saying, hey, if you're on the hook for this loan anyways, mm-hmm. and we're just going to improve your ability because rates have come down and we're going to improve your ability to pay this, that we're not really going to need to reevaluate the property. Sure. Because what are we going to do anyways? Oh, the property is losing value and we're going to keep you in this higher rate, <laughs> right, right? right? You know what I'm saying? And so so that well, made sense to me. And but um, and we saw them on very little purchases and still see them on very little purchases. And usually only when it's like, hey, we're putting a chunk of change down and, and probably lining. It's a black box. We don't know exactly all the parameters, but I'd assume probably in line with their them assessing that there's some stability to value, mm-hmm. right? But yeah, I think a lot of these things, I think technology will... And all these great ideas will start to take a back seat when it's like, oh, no. Like, and you see that with all these iBuyer platforms, right? They worked off of that. I don't know if you follow that much. I know you said you don't kick into the news as much anymore, and I try and stay aloof on some of it. I still try to say I still I, – I just uh, – I go to where I could, where the resources are and where yeah. the real conversations sure. are happening, not sure. so much kind of these broad things. So yeah, yeah. and the clickbait and knowing that yeah, here here are all these, you know, when when it's uh, just seems like oh, real estate can only go up, and then all these i buyers are entering the market, doing their quick evaluations, purchasing homes, thinking that they'll go ahead and sell them for a, a thicker margin, and they're taking advantage of the time factor. That was one of their biggest things that they'll say, hey, you need to sell now. We'll go ahead and buy the house now. Mm-hmm. And so you'll sell it for a little bit less, and then we'll sell it for quite a bit more. Um, and and those uh, many of those failing, you know, flat out just trying to liquidate their inventories right now, just because that automated and, and thought process of oh, it's always going to go up doesn't always, yeah. Well, and like from my perspective, one of the biggest things seeing that was, um, like you know, if I can say a, the actual name of Zillow on on this podcast, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Zillow and how many people look at Zillow and how many people use that as a tool and you would put in an address and the first thing that would come up is we'll buy your house and I'm like yeah. I'm not going to offer to buy your house so um, <laughs> you know in terms of a you know of a trusted of source right yeah like so oh you there's know, so much in the industry when that yeah, was happening like yeah is this a conflict of interest if they're telling you what your house is worth and they'll tell you Oh, I'll buy it. And they'll finance it for you. So and they'll finance Zillow it, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's like, huh, that's, you know, it is kind of interesting, though, that, yeah, where, like, how much of those type of entities were able to drive the market, drive the prices up, and be competing with these, you know, buyers in the market. And then now it's like, yeah, Zillow's not offering to buy your house anymore. Um, yeah, thank goodness. You know, and, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's it's interesting, but I always would, like, I got to a place because it's very common practice for somebody to ask me, you know, how is your value going to compare to Zillow? You know, because they just want to know, and it's the source for them that, you know, kind of gives them the inform- gives them some information. Um, and you know, every time the first thing I would say is, you know, you just have to consider the source. Like, yes. you know, I I think that there's there is some amount of automation. It is we're statistic driven, you know, yeah, data driven yeah. kind of profession and so there is maybe some rhyme or reason to that um but you just kind of have to yeah consider, the source and consider motivation whatever else yeah, yeah that is that they that they have for the market and what their what their influence is on it but yeah, yeah. well awesome Jenna. well this has been there's there's uh man just a wealth of knowledge on it and i'm sure we're just all watching very very closely to kind of see what will happen and yeah. there's multiple factors that are going to play into the future of Flagstaff values right now. But I guess would you kind of wrap things up here too? Do you have any, any advice to agents, buyers, sellers uh, from the appraiser standpoint? I would say, you know, what I've just been seeing lately um, is, you know, kind of a rollback to, you know, not again, like to say like that people care about appraising, but we're getting back into, um, you know, a little, a little bit more thought going into, to the offers, um, concessions, repairs are back, you know, like, um, people having to cover repairs, uh, again, kind of an uptick in the FHA and making sure that the property is FHA conforming, um, seeing that a lot more happening. Um, so I think that it's kind of interesting to see, um, you know, just in terms of that, like for me, for my job and what I'm seeing a lot of is, you know, now that there are more opportunities for some of those buyers that are going to be utilizing FHA, um, 
you know, to come back into the market because now they, you know, they can, uh, just looking at those properties, making sure that those properties conform, making sure that you're, um, you know, kind of likewise with the loan process, making sure, you know, if you have uh, certain properties, FHA manufactured homes, yep, foundation yep, yep, certifications yep. for the lenders, making sure you have all of that kind of up front um, so that, you know, the loan process just goes a little bit easier. The appraisal process goes a little bit easier. And so that's like one thing that I've been really seeing that's kind of interesting is kind of having this um, – the, the shift in the market and like who the buyers are in the market and yeah. what kind of properties that, you know, we're having come up in the market um, and kind of having to go back to our old ways <laughs> of, yeah, yeah. of looking at things where now, you know, it's not necessarily um, uh, an issue of value. It's making sure that, you know, the houses conform and, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that would be the biggest thing that I'm kind of seeing on my plate right now. Yeah. Yeah. Is is as these uh, as these properties come up, um, just making sure that they kind of fall into the yeah into yep. the <laughs> requirements exactly. And, and this lending product is changing on them, and, and just mm-hmm. having an overall heads up. Yeah, I love it. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for all you yeah, do for for us in the industry. Nice and uh, guys, reach out to Jenna with questions. Mm-hmm.